Jazz fans, are you ready for a frustrating, exacerbating testing next two months? I'll explain why it's going to be that way. Look at the Western Conference as, frankly, our route is pretty clearly set. And it's a points game Friday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen of the day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. Happy All-Star break, which is not happy because I like the NBA and I would like to see NBA games. So um, there's nothing happy about it. Good morning to our crew, Ryan and Mark and Calvin, Bryce, Andy, Kua, Lacey, all here with us this morning on a Friday of All-Star break. Thanks very much for taking the time uh, and spending it with us today. Are you ready for what is going to be a super frustrating two months as a Jazz fan? And let me explain why it's going to be a super frustrating two months as a Jazz fan. While I share a screen with you who are listening live on YouTube, we are free and available on all platforms for you. Uh, Whether it is YouTube where you can subscribe and hit that button or whether it is... uh, any of your podcast providers, in which case you can't see the screen. So here are the NBA standings. The Phoenix Suns are going to be the number one seed in the West. That's that's really pretty clear. Like, they're six and a half games up. We've got 24 games left. There's no scenario where they're not the number one seed this year. And they probably are not getting the flowers they deserve at this point. Golden State is six and a half games up or behind them and five and a half games up on us right now. We can't catch the Warriors. We've won 62% of our games. I think it's reasonable to expect we could play a little better than that if we don't have injuries, in which case we probably go 19 and five down the stretch and finish the year with 54 wins. Or maybe that's probably the upside. 19 and five the rest of the way, we finish with 54 wins. If we kind of do what we have been doing, we go 18 and six. And if we rest Mike Conley a bunch of times, we finish with 52. That like, quite honestly, 52, 53, 54 seems to be kind of the number where we finish. If you go to basketball reference and look at where, you know, their playoff probabilities and you scanned what they have just, they have us at 51.7. So they have us on a little bit of the lower scale than that. If you go to 538, and look at their projections and their system, and ESPN has one too, and you look at, you know, you look at 538 and look at the whole NBA projected record, the Utah Jazz come at 51 and 31. So maybe I'm being a little optimistic here, but 24 games left. If we were to kind of go nutty, we'd be 19 and 5, 17 and 3. They they think there's a realistic chance that we go 16 and 8 and end at 51 wins. Though that seems to be the range, frankly. Um, and... You know, we're 36 and 22 um, on the season. 
And maybe, you know, maybe we can, we, I guess in theory, we go 15 and seven. We only win 50. We're not catching the Golden State Warriors at that point. So one and two are out. Now you look at Memphis, that's four games. I don't think we're getting Memphis either. Like, the, if we go 19 and five and go batty, Memphis goes 15 and nine. That seems pretty unlikely. Memphis is projected out to 54 wins at this point. Uh, that would be, you know, that's basically what we have to do to go catch Memphis is go 19 and five the rest of the way to tie Memphis. And then we get into tiebreakers and all that. So I think the fact is, you know, if we go 18 and six, Memphis suddenly has to go 14 and 10. There's no sign that Memphis is about to, who's gone 41 and 19 is about to go 14 and 10. So as we sit here at the break in the fourth seed of the Western conference, the upward mobility for us is very, very limited. In fact, seems almost impossible for us to gain four games on Memphis. It's certainly impossible for us to gain five and a half on the Warriors. So we sit at, at 36 and 22 and we, we sit here trying, okay. So if we go 19 and five, we, we win 55 games on the season. If we go 18 and six, we win 54 games on the season. If we go 17 and three, we win 17 and seven. We win 53. If we go 18 and six, we win 16 and eight win 52. That that's kind of seems to be our range. 54, 55, 54, 53, 52. I, I don't think we're going 19 and five. One, because our schedule's not great. If you look at kind of what we have to do here coming up, we're, uh-oh, I'm going to lose Lacey's thing. Um, if we look at our schedule coming up, you know, we're on the road. A tremendous amount. And we have daggers at Phoenix, at Dallas on a back-to-back. Um, Milwaukee is going to be tough. At Brooklyn, depending their status on a back-to-back. At Boston along the way. At Dallas near the end of a road trip. At the Clippers at the end of a six-game road trip. Um, at the Warriors. So we just have dagger. It's not as though we can suddenly link together I mean, listen to these these games that are like unlikely to win at Phoenix, at Dallas on the back end of a back-to-back. Frankly, there's a, a home back-to-back with Sacramento, which just because it's a road, uh, rest advantage. Philadelphia is a hard one. At Brooklyn on a back-to-back. At Boston, we're at five of these games. At Dallas, six. At Clippers, seven. At Warriors, eight. Phoenix at home, nine. We have nine games that are real testers the rest of the way. So the idea of us going 19 and five and being perfect in the other seems pretty unlikely. And so our movement up and down doesn't feel like there's a lot Uh, up. Now, what about down? Dallas is a game and a half away from us. But Dallas's schedule is is pretty tough. Frankly, we can kind of almost end Dallas's quest to get us on the first night back. We come out of the All-Star break. We play Dallas at home on the first night back. If we go get Dallas at home on the first night back and go up three in the loss column to kind of this whole point of the conversation both directions, it's it's awfully hard for Dallas to come get us, even though we play them again. 
But sometimes when you say, oh, well, you play head-to-heads, it's actually advantage of the team that's ahead because you go win, you take a huge jump. And Denver is three games behind us. Again, if we go 17-7, and seven, Denver suddenly has to go 20-4. and four. I don't think that's happening. Dallas has played one more game than everyone else. Doesn't really matter. But again, if we go 17 and 7, Dallas suddenly has to go to catch us. Dallas has to go uh, 19 and 4, I think. So, or 19, maybe it's 18 and 5. 18 and 5. So, when you kind of start looking at this and looking at, the, at where it is, our mobility, I guess we could slide to 5. And then we play Dallas in the first round and we go on the road. Or we're going to stay where we are and play Dallas in the first round. Or maybe Denver. Maybe Denver catches Dallas. Minnesota seems unlikely. They're two games back. They're four games back from Dallas. With 28 games left, you just it doesn't seem like there's a lot of chance you're moving four games in the standings. And so here we sit with 24 games left in the season with a lot of things for us to work on. Like what we as fans want, which is we're make, we're raging after this spot in the West or we're doing this. I don't see that happening. Phoenix is one. Golden State, Memphis is going to be two, three, which kind of matters, kind of doesn't. Actually, it doesn't matter at all to us. We're going to be four, five, it feels like. And the question is, are we playing Dallas or Denver? Kind of crazy to sit here on this day. But I could argue right now, Quinn Snyder could tell his coaching staff during All-Star break, Hey, you get ready for Dallas, you get ready for Denver, you get ready for Phoenix, and you get ready for Golden State. That's our route to the NBA Finals. It's kind of clear. So what is Dallas? We're going to take a look at Dallas and Denver, and what is the thing that we are trying to accomplish for the next 24 games? Because standings are not going to be a large part of it. So what is it we're trying to get done? Whether we finish with 19 wins and get 55, 54 with 18 wins, 17 get to 53, or 16 and 8 and go to 52. You know, or frankly, I guess I'm being optimistic, right? Because 538 has us at 51. 538 has us going 15 and 9 the rest of the way. Tough schedule. You can, you know, I just rolled out why. So even if we go 15 and 9 on the odds, they have Denver finishing with 49 wins. They have Dallas finishing with 48 at 538. They actually have us playing Denver in the first round rather than Dallas. Over on the chat room, go ahead and let me know who would you rather play, Denver with Nikola Jokic or would you rather play Dallas with Luka, who was crazy last night? By the way, Basketball Reference has us at 51.7, Dallas at 48.2, and Denver at 47. To back it up, here's the point. Basketball Reference has us as a 71% chance of being the fourth seed. The only team that has a higher percentage chance to be where they are in the seeding in all of the NBA is the Phoenix Suns, who have a 99.1% chance to be the one seed. Warriors have a 67% chance to be the two seed. We have a 71% chance to be the four seed. It's the second highest number in all of basketball references kind of seeding of anyone in the entire league. We have a 99.8% chance of being one through six. Only Denver really has a chance to fall out of that, according to basketball references we just talked about. So in the chat room, let me know, Dallas or Denver? I've pinned that up on the board when uh, for those of you watching on YouTube. Who would you rather play in the first round? Three things... 
three things that we're going to really be working on in the next 24 games that are relevant for us to keep an eye on. They're just kind of esoteric and they're not nearly as much fun as just blatantly wins and losses and standings runs. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. We were just there yesterday, had our Santa Fe down there. They did all the work, had it ready, great communication, really cool. Actually, new little system that's cool for them, I'm sure, um, as well, which was that we uh, took it down there, had basic stuff done, and they found one other item that needed to be worked on. I got a notification. I actually could do it all from my app to decide whether I wanted it done or not, decline it, take the service or not. Um, it was really pretty cool. Great service, as always, over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Murdoch's 80-plus years in Utah, maintaining these relationships. They will not charge you more than MSRP. There is a car shortage, so you want to get down there, test drive the cars that are available for you, and then get on the list to get the one you want when it comes in. How fun. It's like having an arrival date. It's be awesome. Uh, so go check it all out at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Email me first. I'll set you up with the uh, VIP meeting that you uh, so that you can kind of not have that kind of eerie where you walk in and who am I going to get? We're going to set you up. Jason will take care of you and Murray. We'll ha- we have guys in Logan and in Linden uh, for you as well and set up that meeting. So feel free to email me first at dlock09. Uh, to kind of stay with the conversation on what we've been talking about, let's go look at the betonline.net odds for the NBA and conferences and where it all plays. They don't have over under wins any longer, but you can look at kind of the fit. By the way, team LeBron is a five and a half point favorite. And if, um, if you play the NBA all-star game, you really are looking for entertainment at that point. Here's the NBA futures for the cop, for the conference. Uh, the w- bucks are plus two seventy five to be the one to win the East, not the one seed to win Brooklyn's plus 300 Phillies plus three twenty five. That was a heck of a game last night. Miami's plus 550 and Boston's plus 1,000. That's down a lot from what we were the other er, earlier. And Chicago is still plus just 1,600. Boston's doing some interesting things, by the way. I'll touch on them in a second. Um, Suns are plus 175. Warriors are plus 190. We're plus 675. So they have us ahead of Memphis. And Memphis plus 1,200. Denver at plus 1,400. Lakers at plus 1,600. And Dallas at plus 2,000. That's all at betonline.net. If you want to get into the action, you can do it at betonline.net. From all the odds, totals, players, performance props to where you the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, odds, all the way through Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Interesting to me that Zach Lowe and his uh, his 10 things this week and his podcast talks about like Boston's incredible defense, which is totally incredible. Um, but his whole, the whole, it's very interesting what the kind of big strategy thing they've done is that they're leaving Robert Williams in the paint guarding lesser shooters and having Al Horford guard the center. Now, Al Horford's a lot bigger than Boyan Bogdanovich, but if you follow us, this is exactly what we've been doing for, and frankly, what we did against Terrence Mann. And then this year they've made a change on it, on how the Jazz are doing this. And I think getting a little bit better um, at it as, as the season's gone on. But it's interesting to me that Boston's this revolutionary new concept that everyone thinks is so amazing. It's really what we've been doing with Rudy Gobert in so many different ways. Uh, and that is finding the lesser shooter, having Gobert guard them, 
and having Gobert stay around the paint as much as possible to defend. This is one of the three super important things, I think, for us in the next 24 games. And that is getting better and better and better at this. Unless we play Denver, where Jokic, and even if we do that, in that case, I think Boyan's going to end up guarding uh, Jokic to start and and Gobert's going to hover. And I don't know who the lesser shooter's necessarily going to be, but I would guess that that's how we do it. Um, Against Dallas, they simply don't have a center anymore. They traded Chris Dapps Przingis, Maxi Kleber plays, there and if we in, and last night they started Dwight Powell as their center. He played 24 minutes and Maxi Kleber played 26, and then Davis Bertans played. So when you when you look at Dallas as a likely first round playoff team, we're gonna have to get better. The number one thing we have to get better at is playing five out defense. What we've begun to do with that is if you have five guys around the perimeter, it's super hard to space as the offense. There's just not a lot of room. So what we're doing is Gobert stays in the middle, and in this case would probably last night, you know, would guard Dorian Finney-Smith, who's become a better shooter, or maybe even Josh Green, who started last night for um, for Dallas, with Tim Hardaway Jr. out, I think, for the year, um, or at least close to it. Um, you have Gobert stay, and then you rotate around the five. Now, in this case, you can't leave Luca any circumstance, but like their closing lineup the other day was Luka Doncic, or their closing first quarter line, was Luka Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Maxi Kleba, Davis Bertans. So they're playing Maxi Kleba and Davis Bertans, two shooters with Luka. And then they're starting the game with Brunson, Finney-Smith, Powell, and Green. That's not nearly as hard to guard. And they closed the game against New Orleans last night with Davis Bertans, Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and Luka Doncic. That's like, I don't know who the center is there. So if we're playing Dallas in the first round of the playoffs, this is the number one thing we're going to have to figure out is how are we guarding five out? And we've I think we've gotten way better at it. You have to guard your yard. You have to guard your man. You're not going to be able to bail out on these things, a bunch of those kind of aspects. Of, um, but we've gotten way better at that. That's number one. If we're playing Dallas or Denver, it's Monty Morris – It's Will Barton, it's Aaron Gordon, it's Jeff Green, it's Nikola Jokic with this wild card of whether Jamal Murray is coming back. And I don't know what the word on Jamal Murray is going to be and when he is back, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, You know, they also have talked about the fact that they believe that they're getting not only Jamal Murray, but Michael Porter Jr. back. So, you know, all of a sudden, you might end up with a first-round matchup um, as difficult – uh, as as there is. There was a comment around about five or six days ago that they're both back in the not-too-distant future. So by the time we see, if we see Denver in the first round of the playoffs, we could see Jamal Murray. We could even see Michael Porter Jr. Again, to the chat room conversation and to the comment section in YouTube, does that change whether you'd rather play Denver or Dallas? But the first thing we're going to have to do to get better in the next stretch is that Rudy's defensive presence when the floor is spread. And we've gotten better at it. It's been a season-long issue. The number two thing I think that we have to really look into is new rotations. You know, since Joe's gotten hurt and we've been dealing with COVID, we really haven't had regular rotations for a long time. And the lineup that's been was the best lineup for us, which is the bridge lineup. 
spanning the first to the second quarter and the third quarter to the fourth quarter is gone, right? Joe was a part of that lineup. And so now you've got to figure out what you're doing and what lineups you're going to use and who's going to be valuable. And frankly, you know, is are Rudy Gay or Eric Pascal playing? Um, are you totally comfortable with Trent Forrest? I think the answer to that is an, an un, a resounding yes at this point. The coaching staff, um, I think, adores what he's doing. Um, and what do you, you know? And what are you going to be able to do with your various lineups? We haven't played a great deal of them, but you you have your starting lineups played a thousand minutes, and it's been great. It's plus fourteen, and you have our secondary lineup, which is when Donovan is when Jordan comes in, and Whiteside comes in is now our first substitutions. That one's only okay. It's plus three point three. And then the next lineup that we use is when Rudy's kind of back on the floor with that before Mike comes back. And then we don't really have it yet. Um, and and frankly, we don't have a lot of lineups that are actually that good on that. You know, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert with Jordan Clarkson, Daniel House, and Eric Paschal. Is that going to be the answer? It's played 36 possessions together. It's plus 19.4, which is a great early start to it. Um, but that's, you know, I think we've learned that your center is not going to be um, Rudy Gay or Eric Paschal, that that whole idea of us going small was kind of a bust. Um, I don't think we're going to try to integrate that in the next 24 games. I think you'll see Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gobert, or even Adoka Azabuke as our center um, the rest of the way. So those are the things I think, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing, so the first thing is, you know, playing center with Rudy. Second thing is new rotations, trying to figure out what our lineups are going to be. You know, is Daniel House the answer? Are we playing? Can we play Trent Forrest and Daniel House together at the same time? The early indication on that have not been super great. Um, it's been a limited sample size, so it's again these are this is what we have to figure out. We don't know the answer to these um, questions uh, right now on how you know Daniel House and Trent Forrest both looked a little less. Um, electric in that Laker game and you don't want to they've played 94 possessions together the defense which should be great has not been great um some of it's with Eric Pascal at center that was you know that's a mistake so you want to and very little of it has been with Rudy Gobert at center so it's hard to tell um it's all been basically with either Eric Pascal or Son Whiteside at center early indications aren't great there of whether we can play forest and house together. So you start to fiddle away from that. We really have to rebuild that rotation and figure out whether Rudy Gay is a part of it. And the third one, probably the most important is Mike Conley's health. And so I, you know, we, you start wondering what our record's going to be. I suspect Mike Conley doesn't play against Dallas in Dallas on the back end of that road trip. I suspect Mike doesn't play against Sacramento. We have a brutal week of five games in seven days. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't play a bunch of guys in one of those games um, with five games in seven days in the second week back from the all-star break. We go on a road trip in New York and Brooklyn back to back with Boston and Charlotte. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike doesn't play the Brooklyn game. Um, and then we're, I have one more back to back, which is a home one Memphis and Oklahoma city. It really kind of mellows out, frankly, right after that road trip, which is a pretty brutal one, uh, where we play six games over 10 days going from th four different time zones or three different time zones in the process, uh, fourth if you count where we start. So, you know, start in New York, leave Salt Lake, go to New York, head to Dallas, head to L.A., back to Salt Lake on that road trip. So um, we'll see. Um, what happens there? Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. I have over-ordered Bilt Bars, and so 
I can't order anymore. And I'm so bummed because they launched mint puffs yesterday. And like, I'm not lying. Like, I love the puffs. Here's the coconut marshmallow puff from yesterday. They launched the mint marshmallow puff. And I, I, I have too many built. And you have the puffs mix box. I, I, I have just too many built bars in the house right now. Like I just do. Um, so if you want to tell me how the mint marshmallow is, I'd be very excited to find out. The ruby chocolate was terrific on the puffs. The marshmallow infused puffs that make built bar so special, plus the regular built bar. All of them, amazingly, with just 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four grams of sugar, six grams of fiber and 17 grams of protein. It's too good to be true, but it is true. And it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you've got the nibbles, you want to stay a little healthy. You want to make sure you're not going into the pantry for the bad sweets. Go get your built bars, put them there and have built bar help you out uh, with all that. Um, the uh, built bar promo code lock. That's what I was going to say. Promo code is locked 15. That's locked 15 to get 15% off at built bar. All right, it is a points gained Friday. Uh, let's see. I have some questions in the chat room. I haven't been doing a lot of those. Sarah Todd had a piece post-game interview after the LA game. Basically, Rudy didn't want to admit he played poorly. I think it stood out too. Um, I mean, Rudy also said it's hard to play when you don't feel good. So I think he kind of said it. I didn't. I saw Sarah's piece. She did a good job on it. Um, and she just talked about how Donovan and some Mike was or whoever. And Royce kind of took the blame and, and Rudy didn't. You know, I'm not sure... On the quote which Sarah Todd said he didn't take the blame, that is true. He didn't. He also, in that conversation, said it's hard to play when you don't feel good, which I think is was him saying um, that he didn't think he played very well. Um, so I, 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 you know, I went back and rewatched the presser. I didn't. I didn't have the same vibe, but I wasn't in the room at the time, so that's probably the most important thing to say there. My question is, if we play. Against small ball, at what point do we figure out how to punish opponents on the offensive side of the ball? I think that's our biggest problem. It's very true. I mean, this is where Rudy's got to get better, right? And Dwight Powell's not small. This is what's tricky about that matchup with Dallas is that if you look at the sizes of the, you know, they're playing small ball. It's not small ball. It's skilled ball, right? So suddenly, you know, Rudy's trying to punish. If it's on a switch, He's punishing 6'5", 200-pound Josh Green. That's not going to – Dwight Powell, 6'10", 240. Dorian Finney-Smith is 6'7", 220. Davis Bertans is 6'10", 225. Maxi Kleber, 6'10", 240. Like, Dallas is huge all of a sudden. When Dallas is closing lineup, is Brunson at 6'1", 190 is a pit bull. So he's small. Luka at 6'7", 230. Dorian Finney-Smith at 6'7", 220. Maxi Kleber at 6'10", 225, and, or 240, and Davis Bertans at 6'10", 225. That's not small. It's a great, I mean, Tucker, you're exactly right. That is what the Jazz need to do, but it's not small. Um, Tyler, are we seeing some of the frustration boiling over without Joe in the locker room? I don't see that. I mean, we lost one game, which was bad, the final six minutes, and I didn't see frustration boiling over without Joe. So I didn't, um, I didn't see that. So, um, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't see that at all. Uh, most people are voting Dallas over. So that's Luca over Jokic is what you're thinking. Neither of those are easy. Wow. I mean, that's where we are. Um, so we'll see. Um, 
Chris says, Gobert's my favorite player. More than the loss at LA. I'm disappointed by the way I saw him communicate with his teammates when things didn't go well. I hope I'm not overreacting. His interaction with Royce O'Neal on the play you're probably talking about was not great. Um, you know, that that was not great. And I'm not sure it was actually Royce's fault either. Um, so no, that was, you know, that's the stuff we got to go. Frankly, Joe was not good at that. Joe was one of the worst of like drive by him. And then Joe looks at Rudy and says like, come on, where's this? And then Rudy, like, like those two frankly had it as much as anyone. Um, so I mean, Jack T has says I, at the same time, I would lean Dallas because the coaching Rudy should have a good series versus them. Jason Kidd versus Quinn uh, Snyder. You would hope, but it's Igor Kakashkov as the lead assistant versus Quinn Snyder, which would make that awfully interesting um, along the way. Jokic and Rudy's interesting, but Jokic has figured Rudy out. Like Jokic is not bothered by Rudy to his credit. All right, points gain going to the All-Star break. I have not sorted this yet. We're sorting it for the first time right now. Let's see what we get. The number one player in the NBA is Nikola Jokic at 3.7, followed by Rudy Gobert. Also at 3.7. Giannis at 3.3. For those who are new to points gained, points gained is an offensive metric exclusive to Locked On <clears throat> in which we look at a player's use of offensive, how many possessions they use, and then if, or scoring opportunities, and then if average players on the team use the same possessions, how many more points above av- those average possessions do you score? So Nikola Jokic in 20 scoring opportunities a night scores 3.7 points more than average players would with those possessions. He's the best in the NBA. Rudy Gobert at 11 scoring opportunities a night is 3.7 points above average. What average players would those with 11 pretty, pretty impactful. Giannis is 3.3. This is where we usually are. We usually have three guys over three and about 10 to 12 guys over two. It expands out a little bit this year because big guys are becoming more prominent and more important as we've talked about much of the year with the new rule changes where you don't get to drive to the basket as much. You don't get those fouls. Guys aren't going to line. You're not fouling three-point shooters. Big guys have become more important. So Jokic 3.7, Rudy 3.7, Giannis 3.3, Durant 3.1, Jared Allen 3.0. Those are the guys over three, all of them all-stars. Carl Anthony Towns, 2.8. LeBron, 2.6. Just incredible. Uh, Montres Harold, 2.6. Damatis Sabonis, 2.4. Worth noting, Sacramento's been all right. Robert Williams, 2.4. DeAndre Ayton, 2.4. This is the case of the big guys. Joel Embiid, 2.2. Rashawn Holmes, 2.1. Okongu, 2.1. And um, Mitchell Robinson, 2.0. I would say this on this kind of rise of big guys. I'm going to have to figure out something about this metric because it's really now becoming position impactful. It also means that a little bit of Rudy's 3.7 is not, it's better. It's 0.7 better than Jared Allen's 3.0 and it's 1.2 better than a lot of centers, but we do have 10 centers now above 2.0 of non non centers. Giannis is one Durant is two. Jokic deserves to be in there. He's almost a point guard. Um, and so is Carl Anthony Downs. LeBron is three. DeMar DeRozan is fourth. Zach Levine is fifth. Harrison Barnes, sixth. Brandon Clark, almost a center, seventh. John Collins, almost a center, eighth. Trey Young, Steph Curry, nine, ten. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 11. Mikel Bridges in Phoenix, 12. Josh Hart in Portland. Funny how that works. You put Josh Hart in there instead of CJ McCollum. He's more efficient. They actually win more. Eric Gordon, Garrison, Matthews, um, Seth Curry, 
big pickup for Brooklyn. Cam Johnson, Phoenix, Joe Harris, and Nicholas Batum for the Clippers. Just kind of running down wing players here. I was trying to see if we ran into Boyan has fallen off um, or I missed him. He was up in this group beforehand. Pat Connington, Norman Powell, Boyan Bogdanovich is at a 1.0. Royce O'Neal is at a 1.0 as well. Uh, there for the jazz players. So Rudy leads it at 3.7 and then um, white sides, 1.2 Azubuke 1.2 boy on 1.0 Royce 1.0 Donovan's at 0.8, which is pretty good for which we talked there. Pascal 0.6 Conley 0.5 forest 0.2 Rudy gay, negative 0.1. Jared Butler minus 0.3 Jordan Clarkson minus 1.1 Alexander Walker minus 2.3, one of the lowest in all of the league um, for the there. Um, so though, you know, the big guys have become so dominant in this metric, we're going to, ha- I'm going to have to play around and really just start talking about, I think by position and then understand that the, you know, a 1.0, 2.0 on the big is kind of now what the average big is in the league is that position has become more and more important um, for everyone. Uh, lowest levels in the NBA of guys that actually have played this year. Um, Jalen Suggs is the lowest in the league. Reggie Jackson, second. Cade Cunningham, third. Alexander Walker, fourth lowest. Josh Giddy for all the love. Not particularly efficient, shooting 42%, 27% from three, but sure is a great passer. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Ricky Rubio, Davion Mitchell, not uncommon to have a lot of rookies in here. Julius Randle, there's the Knicks issue this year. R.J. Barrett, there's the Knicks issue. R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle back-to-back. DeJounte Murray, super inefficient. Dante DiVincenzo, Killian Hayes, Lonnie Walker, Paul George, who we may or may not see again this year. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, added to Dallas has not been very efficient. That is Locked on Jazz. Uh, We'll actually have a special roundtable episode for you at some point this week, but I'll be back with a regular edition until Friday. So have a wonderful break. Uh, listen to Locked on NBA and all sorts of other fun shows a lot across the network. Sample it around. Enjoy yourself. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz.